14, verse 1, he brings up the, the idea of the weaker. Uh, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. So he starts this discord of loving one another. Loving one another. Now, and he concludes in these last, we're actually going to look at 13 verses this morning in, in Romans chapter 15. And he concludes this thought here. In chapter 15, look at verse 1 with me. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of all patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So he ends there with what he started in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, this admonition to the stronger to not despise those who are weaker in the faith and those who are weaker in the faith to not dis, uh, judge the stronger. So Paul's going to conclude the whole argument with a couple of things. And that should solidify it. You have the example of Christ, the purpose of Scripture. He really brings in the, the whole idea of the Jews and the Gentiles' relationship with one another uh, and the mind of Christ of unity. Have the mind of Christ. At the end of the day, have the mind of Christ. And so, um, you know, and I've seen several things. Now, again, this is our fourth <laughs> message on the stronger and weaker brother. Our fourth one and our final one. But as we have seen, it all comes down to if it's not sin, don't despise, don't judge, glorify God, and love one another. That's, that's the end of... I mean, that's kind of easy to remember because it's easy to kind of get confused between the stronger and weaker, what's permissible, what's not permissible. Am I supposed to tolerate uh, the, if, if my brother's being legalistic or, um, or if there's somebody in the church who's, who's being way too liberal? Here's the end of the line. If it's not sin, it's not categorically sin, don't despise, don't judge, glorify God, and... That is the end thing. Have the mind of Christ. 
and you love one another. So we're going to take these verse by verse. So, of course, we know that uh, Paul insists in these next, in chapter 15, he actually, he challenges the stronger of the faith. Now, if I need to go back and we need to talk about this a little bit, um, that's fine. The, those who are stronger in the faith have what is liberty. They have liberty of conscience. There are things that are not pulling them down into uh, the old system of, of what they were, what they used to do. And um, can you also grab Jason? Jason, we're having Sunday school this morning. The weaker of conscience are those that have come out of the system of Judaism. They came out of the system of law. They tied religion, holiness, uh, you know, righteousness, all to the things which they had observed from the law, the systems, the feast, and, and everything of that nature. So you can kind of think of, when Paul's writing this with Romans, that the stronger in the faith are going to be the Gentiles. Why? Because they didn't have all the religious baggage that they're bringing to a faith-based system. Where the Jews, they had a works-based system, and now they're having to come to the faith-based system. Where the Gentiles didn't have those mental blocks about things that were, used to be forbidden. Things that are used to be forbidden are now permitted. You know, the dietary laws. Think of that. I mean, you grew up, and it was, I mean, in, in this culture, stuff like that wasn't trivial. It was forbidden in families. And the, I mean, you're talking about a child. I don't know if you ever read The Chosen. The Chosen is about a child who grew up as a, a Jew, a very strict Orthodox Jewish home, and just all of the restrictions, all of the rules that were in place. And we had to remember so many rules. And this wasn't trivial. This wasn't take it or leave it. This is what you had to do. Now, to those who are weaker in the faith, what that means is they do not have the same knowledge of liberty that the stronger in the faith has. It doesn't say uh, weak in faith. Because remember, in Romans chapter 14, Paul commends both. He's saying as long as what you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord. You're doing it with thanksgiving of your heart. And I know this sounds like a, a repeat of what we've been talking about the last three times, but I feel it's important going into chapter 15 as Paul's given the finality, he's given the final point that, you know, besides all these things, look at the example of Jesus. In chapter 15, he comes up with this point. We then that are strong, and that's the first time he uses the word strong. In chapter 14, he never used it. He only used the weak. But in chapter 15, he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, one of the things that I want us to do is not misunderstand what Paul is talking about. Because the thing is, is when we start reading this, he's giving a charge to those who are strong in liberty to bear the infirmities. That word bear is to take into your hands or to bear up. Infirmities means their error that has arisen because of the weakness of their mind. 
It is their lack of knowledge. Remember before in Corinthians, Paul was talking about, you know, your knowledge may not be my knowledge. And so with our knowledge, we glorify God. So God has given us the knowledge that it is not burning our conscience to eat meat. It's not burning our conscience to drink drinks and, and not observe the holy days that the Jews are observing. So he's charging those who are stronger in the liberty. Now, what, what is he not charging those who are stronger in liberty? Now, think about, if, if it helps you, think of the Gentile and the Jew relationship. The Gentiles would have had more liberty. The Jews did not. The Jews felt like that old system was still consequential of it wasn't faith alone. Now, if you remember, uh, Paul is very lenient towards this behavior because they're not being legalistic in the legalistic standpoint. They're not appending their works to righteousness or justification or that God would forgive my sins if I don't do this. He's not doing that here. This is more of a conscious. This is more of a, it disturbs me to do this thing, and I can't do it with full faith. I can't do it with full thanksgiving. I can't do it to glorify God because it's bothering me to do this. A lot of us have you know, similar convictions, similar of conscious. Some people don't have those conscious. Now, the thing is, is you can't define it as sin. Nobody can. Sometimes you'd like to. Like, what they're doing is sinning, but you really can't find it being a sin. So, um, and so what, he, what he's saying is those who have, now think of the Gentiles. Think of um, when the Lord started saving the Gentiles, and I, I want us to go back into the time of Acts. Paul was probably one of the only strong in the faith Jews. Think about that. Paul was probably one of the only ones who was strong in the faith. Remember, Paul says, I condescend the men of low estate. I've become all things for all that I may save some. Where the Jews were generically, they're saved. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But they still have all of these tendencies inwardly. And so when Paul is saying, think about Paul as, as, as he's walking through Turkey, as, he, as he's going through his missionary journeys. And we know that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles and that he goes to the synagogues first and he preaches Christ and, and he per, tries to persuade them that Jesus is the Messiah and to be saved. And then he goes to the Gentiles. He's preaching to the Gentiles and then he does things not sin, but he condescends to the culture of the Gentiles. Think about the harsh criticism the Jews would have had on Paul for doing that, for becoming the weaker or becoming the stronger. Paul was used to this harsh criticism of sharing in their liberty. So, he comes at it from this perspective. Hey, Gentiles, think about what just happened. Those who are strong in liberty, just, just, just try to see it from their point of view. Try to see it from the, the weaker brother's point of view. Just, you know. 
you did not have all this stuff in your life before. They did. Can you be patient? Can you be loving? Can you be patient with them? You know, they're, they're not infringing on your rights. You know that the, the meats and the drinks are not the kingdom. What's the kingdom is the unity, love, edification, building each other up in the work of the Lord, doing things that would bring pleasing to God. Me making a stand and saying it's my rights or nothing is not pleasing to God when you're destroying your brother, when you're hurting your brother and doing that. That's not the kingdom. Uh, the, what's the, the purpose is for all of us to be of one mind, which we're going to see. All of us to be of one mind, one accord, and what did Jesus say? So that the world may know that he sent us. So we all have to be together. Now, the strong, so that having me said that, it does seem like Paul is putting something upon, he's telling the strong to be patient. In verse 15, or verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, the lack of knowledge, and not to please ourselves. And that's very interesting. Paul taught that all foods are clean, but he sometimes would restrain his own freedom for the benefit of others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he's, uh, verse 13, he says, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend... I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Where was Paul's heart? Paul's heart wasn't in preserving the liberty he had. It was in preserving his brother and the conscience which his brother had. And honestly, I think that's where it comes down to. Now, I've seen a lot of things, and most of you have probably seen bickering in the churches, and, and that's where there's strife, contention, and you get, you know, that's not of God. We know that's not of God. But where you see this strife and contention, um, you know, here's the thing. If we understand the message of Romans chapter 14, what is it that we need to get right? I said it at the very beginning. If it's not sin, don't despise. The stronger do not despise the weaker. The weaker do not judge the stronger. Now, what happens if you're doing those two things consecutively? There's no strife in the church. That's the ultimate thing. You know, a lot of people will, you know, well, it's, um, am I supposed to tolerate their evil against me? Am I supposed to tolerate their backbite? Am I supposed to tolerate them, them speaking evil of my liberty and everything like that? Well, first of all, they're disobeying. They're not to judge. Secondly, if you're rubbing your liberty, you're going around never mindful of those who do not have the same conscience as you do and the freedom that you do, and you're never mindful that you could be hurting them, you're disobeying. So you've got two disobedient groups going on. So... If you have the mind of Christ, and that's what he's getting ready to say, this example of Christ was to bring glory to God. Everything he said, everything he did. If it's pleasing to God, bringing glory to God, if we all make it about God then, and not ourselves, 
then we're going to accomplish this, this situation where there's harmony in the church. There's no strife and contention. Is there sin? Absolutely there's sin. And we should always be evaluating, Lord, am I being sinful? Am I, am I the one who's judging? Am I the one who's despising? Um, and so there will be sin. I, I, you know, you, there is no church that has perfect harmony because we're all, sin, we're all sinners, saved by grace. But the Lord should uh, convict us. So moving on then, I, I kind of wanted to spend a lot of time at the beginning so we could kind of plow through the rest. Now, the bear the infirmities is the strong who have liberty to bear up the infirmities of the weak, not to please ourselves. Now think about who didn't do that. He says in verse 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. That word please can be used as love. Let every one of us love his neighbor for his good to edification. Now that fulfills law, doesn't it? If you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and the neighbor as thyself, if you love your neighbor, you love your brother, you want the best for them. And so the idea is to love them, and if you love them, you have their best interest in mind. Now that's kind of a mature attitude, isn't it? When you've gone beyond the, oh, you have offended me, to how can I help you? That's next level, right? That's what we're to go towards. That's what we're to strive towards. You know, it's someone who is mature in the faith, mature in their trust of God, who knows they have liberty if they need liberty, but let's not just worry about us. Let's worry about others. And how, if I'm offending, because here's the thing is, you may be, Lord, help me if I am distracting or disabling anybody's relationship or love or, or faith to you. Because ultimately you love the Lord. And your brother or sister is a child of the Lord. So I don't want to impede this person's relationship to my Lord. Because I love the Lord. And because I love the Lord, I love my brothers and sisters. You see how if you get the first part right, everything else, you don't have to worry about the don'ts. All you have to worry about is the do's. And so the don'ts will take care of themselves if you're focused on the do's. We do love the Lord with all our heart. We do love one another. Um, but notice in verse 2, it says, let, us, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification that's key it doesn't say hey let's please our neighbor for the good of him winning the argument because a lot of the stronger brothers will be tempted to fall into this it becomes a pride thing well I can't I know that doctrinally they're incorrect so I am going to please him or if I uh, you know, if I relinquish or if I give up my rights, I, he's going to win the argument. He's going to look like he's right. And that's what the prideful think, right? It, this looks bad on me if he wins the argument. But what we do is not for the pride. What we do is not for them to win and us look dumb. What we do is to 
gain edification for them. Because it's all about God. It's not they won or I lost. It's, okay, is God being glorified even more now? Because that's my goal. That's my intention. So, um, verse 2. So, the, there's two purpose clauses in verse 2. We please our neighbor. We love them for their own goodness and godliness. Edification, I like what John Gill said. Edification should be consulted and everything done which may promote and secure edification. Now, verse 4, he brings up, or verse 3, he brings up the ultimate example of Jesus. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Now think about that. We have the example, he brings up the example of Christ. And we, we know Paul's getting ready to finish this argument, okay? This is the big one. If anything else, think about Christ, the mind of Christ. And we'll turn to Philippians 2 uh, if uh, we have a time. But think about Philippians 2, what it said. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. Though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What did Jesus do? He relinquished his rights. And he, be, he took on the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Did he do that to please himself? He did that to please God. And that is what it says here. For Verse 3, for even Christ pleased not himself. I mean, it wasn't him relinquishing his rights that was pleasing. It wasn't him, you know, all of the entitlement that Jesus had. He did what he did for a purpose, for the will of God and for the glory of God and for the edification of others. Well, I'm glad he bore up my infirmities. Aren't you glad that he bore up the reproaches which I committed against God? And then my reproaches that I committed against God fell on him. And uh, that's what it says here in verse 3. Now, Christ did what Paul is already urging them to do. Now, the reproaches here means there's a couple different Greek words out there for reproaches. Um, this one means to revile or insult angrily. And an anger insult, to cut your teeth at. So when it says that the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me, what was Jesus doing? In essence, he was bearing the infirmities of the weak. Now, he's our example. You know, if Christ can bear my reproach, then why, cannot, why can't we bear with each other's? That's the idea. Uh, put on the mind of Christ. Put on the example of Christ. Jesus Christ endured. He endured. He did, not, he did so for the glory and the honor of God, for the will of God. And that is what the kingdom is. The kingdom's not meats and drinks. It's peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. We come here together. I mean, aren't, didn't you feel good coming to church this morning? There was no drama that you, you had to think about coming to the church. There was no schisms, no this. And you could completely and totally focus on coming and worshiping the Lord. And that's it. And praising the Lord for his goodness. 
And by God's grace, may we continue to do that. May there not be those things that come up in the church. But if we have the mindset of that, what brings glory, then let us avoid the things which bring strife. Let us avoid the, bring, the things that bring division and the things that do not pertain to the kingdom. And look, I mean, if Jesus gave up all his privilege, all his liberty, are you going to stand before him and say, well, I couldn't, couldn't give up my liberty. I couldn't give up my entitlements to help my brother. Uh, I don't think you will. Um, because we are to have the mind of Christ. Now also, doing this as the stronger brother, the Gentiles, now I always want to think about the Gentiles in this group. It helps me categorize what's going on. Because remember, the, the Gentiles were late to the game, right? They didn't have the 4,000 years of, religious, or of religion, and nor did they have to bear the yoke of all of those regulations and rules and restrictions. And the Jews, or, you know, they used to hate Gentiles. So this was a lot for the Jews to get used to, this transition to the Gentiles. So Gentiles, just take a breath. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're, they're trying to put this on you and put that on you and do this. But please understand where they're coming from and love them and do things for the glory of God. If it is towards salvation, that's rebukable. If it is another, that's another gospel, okay? And Paul's not tolerant of another gospel. But if it's something that is for their own good, they think they need it and to praise the Lord, they think they need to have a pure conscience, then just forbear them. Um, the, and when you do that, you're going to need some instruction in the scriptures. You're going to need some consultation from the scriptures. And that's the next part. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we have the example of Christ. Now we have the example of the scriptures. Now that word comfort in verse 4 is consultation. It's paraclesis. It means that believers will receive strength and comfort from the scriptures to continue living in a way that honors God. The purpose of the scriptures is not just for academia. It's not just for you to know events, facts, places, times. It is to encourage and help us grow in the Christian life, which we live. It is to feed us, to nourish us. And it is beyond just knowing things, but it helps us. It fills us, and that's the consultation. It's a paraclesis. It's the comfort of the scriptures. You know, it, it emboldens us, or it encourages us. It gives us courage. Uh, and the Holy Spirit feeds us the word of God, and it changes our walk. It changes our step. It brings us peace. brings us conviction. brings us more love to the Lord and less to the world. And so um, we continue in the scriptures, not just for information's sake, and that is what Paul is saying, that that is, verse 4, that is what's been going on. The scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. The, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Uh, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, it's not a coincidence that Paul's getting ready to, to fire off a, a bunch of Old Testament quotes here in a minute. But 
we need to see that we need to endure the difficulties knowing that God is faithful to us. In verse 5, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So here comes the summary. I think we read this last week too. That ye with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. This kind of conduct, those who are stronger in the faith have a little bit more liberty. This kind of conduct will bring glory to God. Because without harmony, God will not be glorified. Without harmony in the church, God will not be glorified. Uh, I, you know, it is, uh, like I said, it's next level and it's a little bit deeper, but we pray the Lord give us the correct attitude. Give us the correct mind. Give us the mind of Christ, the mind of submission, not just to the Lord, but to each other. Um, and so, verse 7, he starts this whole concept of the Jews and Gentiles. Actually, in verse 7, he says, let us do as Christ does. Um, and then verse 8, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So there at the end he starts getting into the Old Testament scriptures. But think about what Jesus did. So he's bringing up the fact of what Jesus ministered to the circumcision, the Jews first. And we know that in Matthew 15, 24, he answered and says, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus confirmed the promises in the Old Testament that were made to the fathers. And then in verse uh, 8 or 9, so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So when he is talking about the fact that he extended mercy, I don't have time to turn there, but Acts chapter 13, 46. I don't know if you remember, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, talking to the Jews, but seeing ye have put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of an everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And do you remember what the Gentiles did when they heard this? In verse 48, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So Jesus did both. Jesus ministered to both. He ministered to the Jews, the circumcision, and he ministered to the uncircumcision, to the Gentiles. Christ had become a Jew in order to fulfill God's promise and purpose to both the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul appeals to the strong Gentiles to deal patiently 
with the weak Jews for this very reason. Now, he goes on this, I will confess thee, uh, I will confess in verse 9, to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. That is, he takes that from Psalm 1849. And then the next verse, and again he saith, Rejoice, O ye Gentiles, with his people. That is in Deuteronomy 32, 43, when he says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. The Jews and the Gentiles are to rejoice together as fellow heirs. In verse 11, he says, And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Um, that is from Isaiah. I'm not sorry, that's from Psalm 117, 1, verse 12. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. That's from Isaiah. Now, the God of hope, here's Paul's prayer to them. Here's a special prayer. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember the, the last time Paul was talking about how the Gentiles uh, are to have the relationship with the Jews? And what did he charge the Gentiles in Romans chapter 9? To not boast against the branches. Remember your place. Remember that mercy has been extended unto you, that Jesus went first to the Jews, to the, whom the promises were made in the Old Testament, and then he went to the Gentiles. It was prophesied that he'd come to the Gentiles so God could have mercy on all. God has concluded all under sin so that he may have mercy on all. Remember Romans chapter 3, Paul said, Is God the God of the Jews only? No, but he's also the God of the Gentiles. For it is the circumcision and the uncircumcision that need to be justified by faith. There's no difference. There's no difference between our cultures. All of us need the mercy of God. And so when he is talking to the stronger, uh, you know, it is, of course, concluded that he's talking to the Gentiles. Um, they're the ones that are going to have a little bit more liberty. They're not going to worry about the meats that were offered the idols or the holy days or the drinks or the Sabbaths or the things, the whole, you know, all of those things. They're going to have a mind. The Gentiles didn't have those things to uh, compete with faith alone in their life, not their salvation. Now, to me, that's a legalist. A legalist, to me, is not somebody who is saved. Right. Now, somebody can be legalistic. They, they, they can be saved. They can be a Baptist. And they can be legalistic, thinking that sanctification and holiness is completed by the things which you sacrifice, not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is how sanctification goes. Not our obedience and behavior and, and the rules and regulations, restrictions, not the way the things used to be. Um, you know, that is a person who is legalistic. And when those people crop up, they're sinning. If I despise them, I'm sinning. If they're judging me, they're sinning. Because it's a both. There's two commands. The, the, the one who has all the liberty forgets 
the command that's supposed to come to them, all they do is despise the legalists, the ones that are acting legalistic. The ones who are legalists, they forget all about the command that they're supposed to obey because they're just judging those who have the, you know, they can't be that close to God. They hate God. They, they don't love God as much as I love God because look at all the things that I do. Both are sinning. What are we to do? The stronger despise not the weaker. The weaker judge not the stronger because it is to the Lord whether we stand or fall. And here's the big thing. Whatever you do, it's got to come under the umbrella of you doing it unto God. Being thankful to God. So if you're saying, well, I'm claiming liberty, and it's, uh, I don't know, watching a show on Netflix, and it's just for your own consumption. I've got liberty to watch this. It doesn't burn my conscience. Are you watching that show unto the Lord? If you're not, you're not even in this discussion. That's a whole other thing. These are the people who are sincere and love the Lord. And what they're doing is under complete, full conviction. And that's why Paul commends both groups. They love the Lord. They're doing what they're doing to be pleasing to the Lord, to be thankful to the Lord. So, so let's remember that. If it's outside of that umbrella, you, you don't have a leg to stand on in Romans 14 or 15. Because those things must be unto the Lord and, and bringing glory to God. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of study. Thank you, Lord, for your word, that we may grow and be comforted. And, Father, that you may help us to grow in this life, Lord, which we're called to be separate, that we're to be lights. Father, but may we just always focus on what we should be doing, and that's loving you above all things. Loving you, ultimately, in our lives and loving each other. Father, help us, Lord, just to always come back to that. If we ever get confused, may we come back to that, that that is what we're to do. And many of these things that may be confusing to us, they'll just work themselves out. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of the gospel, for the grace and love in Jesus Christ. And in his name I pray, amen.